0: We're starting a new series today called Let Them Hear, all right? And I'm excited about it. We did a 14-week series over the summer called The Movement. Uh, and if you missed any of that, all of that is available uh, on our website. Uh, you can install. We've got an app you can search for, and uh, you, can, you can install that and get podcasts. And I don't even understand podcasts and all that, but... Uh, Um, My phone is just blowing up. Is this an emergency? Good grief. Okay. Not an emergency. Uh, But anyway, uh, what what was I talking about? Family, would y'all stop texting me while I'm up here trying to stay focused? (laughs) Starting a new series today. Have y'all heard? Called Let Them Hear. So here's what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks. We're going to be looking at parables of Jesus that are found in the gospel of Matthew. So ready, set, go to Matthew now. Matthew chapter 13 is where we're going to begin today, So, where we're going to pick it up. Matthew chapter 13. So we begin this series called Let Them Hear because think about it, listening is a critical life skill, <laughs> is it not? See? Some of you are far from getting it. Uh, and we'd probably all agree that listening is an important skill we need to have in life. But I'm going to say that we probably, a lot of us would also agree none of us have that perfected yet. And every wife said amen because their husband has not listened. Uh, my wife Lynette, uh, we, we only give her a microphone very seldom around here. Uh, because you never know what's going to come out of her mouth, honestly. Uh, but, uh, she would tell you that I have a long way to go when it comes to being a good listener. Matter of fact, we just had this discussion last night and, uh, the night before and and the night before, uh, but she, uh, she, I don't know how many times she said, I've already told you that. Would you just listen? Can I get an amen from the women? Uh, but, but listening is so very important. Uh, as a matter of fact, whenever Jesus told parables, he would often say, and you're going to see it today, whoever has ears, let them hear. And, and you'll also hear him say, as he's going through a parable from time to time, he'll just stop and say, listen, okay? And, and, and it's kind of like, y'all have caught my little sayings. I'm a don't miss this, right? Here's the deal. Here's the bottom line. You know, and from time to time I'll say, Listen, especially when you're falling asleep or I see you playing Tetris. You know, that's when I'll throw my listen in. But but Jesus would do this. And so we're going to kick off this series looking at a parable that Jesus told. And this is a parable. This is kind of an interesting parable. It's a parable that he told about parables. Okay? Any of you ever seen the movie Inception? huh? It's about a a, a dream within a dream within a dream. Well, this is a parable within a parable within about a parable. But but first, I think we need to talk about what is a parable if we're going to be looking at parables. Maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't know. I don't even know what a parable is. Well, uh, I was always taught that parables were earthly stories that had heavenly meanings, right? Uh, Is the way it was always explained to me where Jesus would use simple everyday analogies Y'all are still texting me. Are you kidding me, huh? My family. I'm. I'm gonna have to send you out. Okay. I. I got a text that said, "Okay, really." Um, if you're visiting, I'm sorry. This is the pastor they have at this church. Very easily distracted. What is a parable? Well, uh, you know. Uh, Alright. Uh, Earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Jesus would use these simple, everyday analogies a lot of times to get his message across and things that he was trying to teach them. And, and, but I believe this parable this morning, this parable about a parable, is going to teach us a little more uh, about that and what a parable uh, actually is. Uh, and, and today I believe we're going to see why so many people interpret parables in different ways. And get different meanings out of parables. I think you also may see today why some of you uh, have a hard time paying attention uh, to a sermon. And why some of you automatically get sleepy when I walk up on the platform. I believe we're going to see that, uh, and I believe we're going to see why some of you get up numerous times every Sunday to go get a drink or to go to the bathroom or just to go hang out in the lobby and visit with the security guards. Honestly, I told my family, some Sundays it feels like I'm standing up here watching the Faulkner County Fair Parade go by. You know, and I, and I'm, I, and in my mind, y'all know me, I'm thinking like, where are they going? Did they get mad? What did I say? You know, and I'm going through all this in my mind, uh, and, and but I believe by the time I'm finished today, I think that I will have convinced every single one of you that having to use the bathroom while I'm preaching is a sign of demon possession, okay? So... <laughs> if you see someone get up and leave this morning, when they pass you, just to be safe, you might do the sign of the cross. You might throw a hiss, you know, for your own protection. Uh, you, you might, you might want to do that. Now, if you're visiting, I'm kidding, and I do that a lot, okay? But today, we're going to see some of the spiritual forces uh, that are at work when God's Word is being preached, when God's Word is being taught, when God's words being read. We're going to see uh, kind of why we struggle with what we struggle with uh, uh, sometimes. So are you ready? Okay, let's dig in. Verse number 1, chapter 13, says this. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. I want to be a Jesus follower, right? I mean, really. Such a large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat and he sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. So there were so many people that were gathered around Jesus. They were drawn to him. right, because Jesus was not boring. Jesus, you know, there was some excitement around Jesus and his ministry and the things that were going on, right? So there's a crowd that has gathered, and so he gets in this boat, Uh, They push it away from the shore and able to create some space between him and and all the people there. Some scholars say that the water would have also helped for Jesus' voice to carry better. Uh, For those of you that have ever spent any time on the water, you know that sound travels across water uh, pretty good. Uh, it helps it. And so they said, you know, that would have amplified his voice and helped people to be able to hear uh, what he was teaching. And, and just a side note, note here, I've been trying to get our church board to buy me a boat for years so that we would pre- be prepared for a situation like this, uh, you know. Uh, but instead, they bought me a microphone. Uh, I don't know. Now, I think this proves that Jesus would want me to have a boat. I just believe that's what this means. But we'll move on. Verse 3, Then he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, goes on in verse six to say, but when the sun came up the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred. Sixty or thirty times what was sung. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Alright, so here it is. Jesus is saying, whoever has ears, let them hear. Listen. Now look at verse 10. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? We heard what you just said, and we don't get it. <laughs> right? Nice story. But why do you teach in these parables? So, so evidently, some of them were confused, right? Which might be good news for some of you when you get confused trying to figure out what I'm talking about. You probably would have made good disciples of Jesus, Right, because they're like, Jesus, come on, why don't you just tell us what you mean instead of using these stories and these, these, these parables. And honestly, I, I think some of us probably feel the same way at times when we're studying the Scripture and we're reading some of these parables and, and we're trying to decipher you know, some of the things of the Bible. But listen to what Jesus says in verse 11. He, he replied, he says, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. So, so what does he mean by that? Well, what does he mean here? Well, what Jesus is saying here is this, understanding the truth, understanding who I am, that is a gift that you have been given, that you have received. Understanding the truth, understanding who I am, it is a gift of the Holy Spirit. All right, so don't miss this. It does not matter how smart you are. It does not matter how many degrees you may hang, have hanging on your wall and how many letters you have attached to your name. You know what? You can't understand the things of God, and you can't understand the truth without God's help. Okay? At one time, uh, Jesus asked Peter this question. He said, Peter, who do you say that I am? Who, who do you say that I am? And Peter responded, well, you're the Christ. You're the, you're the Son of the living God. And Jesus didn't go, gold star for you, Peter. You know, you got that right. You got that answer right because you are so much smarter than everybody else. That's why you got that right. No, what did Jesus say to him? He said, flesh and blood. In other words, he's talking about his brain, his mind, has not revealed this to you. It's not your brain and your smarts and your intelligence that has revealed to you who I am. He says, no, but it was my Father in heaven who has revealed this to you. Uh, Paul would go on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter twelve and verse three, no man can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So here's the deal: when 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 you know we can't see spiritual truths, we can't even understand who Jesus is without His help, right? Uh, which we learned last, in our last series: our helper is who the Holy Spirit, right? That's who helps us. So when you come to believe in Jesus, when you come to believe in the story of Jesus and the, these truths of Jesus, don't be so quick to pat yourself on the, on your back because it wasn't your smarts and it wasn't your righteousness that gave you understanding that you were in need of a Savior and Jesus was it, right? It, it wasn't anything that you had done. It was grace. It was His help that helped you to understand your need for a Savior and who Jesus was. And, and so when you talk to someone that has trouble understanding what you're talking about you know when you're talking to someone and you're trying to convince them that Jesus is what they need and they seem to be confused and they don't seem to be understanding what you're saying hello and and but when you're talking to someone like that don't get frustrated with them that you're not you know you can't get across to them and they're not understanding don't be frustrated by that let me tell you what to do pray for them that it would be revealed to them like it was revealed to you. Don't don't get frustrated with them. Don't get angry with them. Don't argue with them. Just pray for them that God would reveal what he revealed to you, that he would reveal it to them because he's the only one that can do it. You can't force feed it. Okay? You, You just can't. And verse 12 gives us, I believe, the second insight from Jesus about why he teaches with parables. Look at verse 12. Jesus says, whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. In other words, what you do with the truth that you have, what you do with what has been revealed to you, That you know will determine whether or not God gives you more insight into his truth. Okay? He's going to take and and he's going to allow you to understand something. And depending on what you do with that understanding is going to determine how much more you're going to get. How much more of that truth and understanding you'll receive. He says in verse 13. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, and he's quoting the prophet Isaiah right here. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. Which is a reference to something Isaiah was talking about. And I believe it gives us the second reason that he spoke in parables. And it's this, understanding the truth is as much about the condition of our heart as it is what we have in our head. All right, Uh, you see, it's not so much about what we think we know, it's not so much about what we have learned, it's not so much about what we have been taught as it is the condition of our heart that gives us the understanding that He wants us to have. All right, and and so often we may not understand the things of God, okay, we may not, or the teachings of Jesus, and it may not be, be because we're not smart. All right. It might very well be because we're not ready for it yet. Our heart is not ready for it. And so Jesus is, is simply trying to explain here. What he's trying to do is why some people are confused all right, and why some people don't understand. And so the point that Jesus is trying to make with this parable about parables is that the condition of your heart is even more important than the intelligence of your head. All right? And that's good news for me and maybe some of you because I'm not very smart, (laughs) right? Uh, But you can submit your heart to God, right? You can submit your heart to God and he will show you the truth. And then we see Jesus do something here that he hardly ever does. He gives this parable and now he sees there's confusion. And so what he does is, okay, let me explain this to you. Let me explain to you what this parable means. And he hardly ever does it, but let's skip down to verse 18 for the specifics. All right? Jesus says what there in verse 18 right off the bat? Listen. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Listen. Then to what the parable of the sower actually means. So when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed that was sown along the path. Now, this could be described and has been described as a hard heart. Okay? This is the person who's kind of interested in what the Word of God says, but not so much. All right, Uh, they they leave church on Sunday, and almost immediately Satan is like a bird that snatches the seed. Right, the seed is is what they have heard. Right, the word of God, and 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 Satan comes along and he snatches uh, away what they've heard. Maybe by planting doubts in your mind, uh, maybe by uh, someone you know cutting you off in the parking lot, and you immediately you know focus on how dumb they are, and you totally you know have, have forgotten all about. What you've heard in church or heard from God's Word. maybe, And so maybe it's through doubts. Maybe it's through distraction. And it may not necessarily always be a bad thing, you know, that distracts us. Just something that takes your mind off what God has said. Some of you, this will be your experience today. It will be. You're sitting there thinking, this is pretty interesting stuff. I've never heard this explained like this before. This is good. But as soon as we dismiss, you'll start thinking about where you're going to go eat right i mean honestly some of you this is this is a sunday a a typical normal sunday for you you know And, and and so you get distracted and you never even you never even think back to the seed that was planted the seed that was sown here uh in the in the teaching and in the preaching and so you're easily distracted uh i heard one pastor say one time this and i believe this is so true Distraction sends more people to hell than doubt. Distraction sends more people to hell than doubt. And so what does Satan do? He distracts. Right? He distracts us and he snatches the seed of truth from the hard heart. It's easy to get to. Verse 20. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. This is described as the shallow heart. Okay, This is the person who hears the truth and they hear the message and they are initially moved by it. Okay, But for whatever reason, it, it doesn't last very long. The root doesn't go very deep. It doesn't grow very deep. So the slightest difficulty or problem will cause it to wither away. And, and you know, here's, here's what I've learned in the 20-plus years I've been, you know, sowing seeds. That's what, that's what I do, you know. I, I told our, our Bible study on Wednesday night. You know, a, a good friend of mine reminded me one time when I wasn't seeing the fruit that I thought uh, that ought to be happening, and I was basically to the point where I said, "I'm fixing to just let them have it, because I'm not making any headway. I'm not making any progress." And he said, "Let me tell you something. God called you to sow seeds. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm sowing seeds. And in the 20-something years that I've been sowing seeds and trying to lead people to Jesus, some people don't actually respond to God. I've seen them respond to an emotion. Or I've seen them respond to a a conviction. And when that feeling goes away, so do they. Okay. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Anybody that has ever been to teen camp... (laughs) you you can relate to to this okay because here's what we do at team camp for those of you that have never been i'm just going to set this up for you you run them hard you play them hard you keep them up all night long you know three or four days of just wearing them down and by the end of the week by the last day they're emotional wrecks all right because they're exhausted, they have no energy, and so the preacher will stand up on the very last service, and he will tell some gut-wrenching, tear-jerking story. And it's almost like a stomach virus spreading through the, through, through the auditorium. I, I swear if you're watching it you know, or have seen it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. One little girl, junior high girl, will start crying, and then the next one, and then the next one. And it's like a chain reaction. Thomas is laughing because he's been to camp. And and then next thing you know, the whole place is all poured down to the altar and tears are flowing and snot bubbles and it's the most disgusting thing you've ever witnessed. (laughs) You know, and some of it takes and some of it don't. And I'm not God and I don't know, you know, I don't even know why I just told that story. Actually, it's not in my notes, so I shouldn't have told it. But... You know what here's the deal what is so confusing about receiving the seed is sometimes it looks and appears to be so real and so convincing I mean you see the emotion you see the tears you you see the you see the conviction you know and, and, and since we live in <laughs> we live I don't know if y'all know it or not because y'all all good little nazarenes but we live in the Baptist Bible Belt. Okay, we do. And I field a lot of questions. When people come and they want to know about the Church of the Nazarene, our beliefs, our doctrine, and all that, you know, the number one question that I get from just about anyone who has a Baptist background is, they want to talk about the doctrine of once saved, always saved. Okay? And I am not, that, I'm not going there today. That's not what this message is about. But I do want to say this. Once saved always following. Once you've been saved, you will always be a follower of Jesus because the word of God is crystal clear and teaches us that that is what saved people do. They stick with it and they finish. Because let me tell you something, it doesn't really matter how you start. What matters is how you finish. Okay? Okay. The emotion that many people experience, the conviction uh, that they feel, the tears flowing and all that, that's all good things. I mean, God often does break our hearts in order to get our attention and get us to surrender our lives to Him. These are all good things, but those feelings will not save you. Only Jesus Christ will save you. Those feelings and those convictions and that tears, it, it won't last. I'll move on. We're running out of time. Y'all are tired of hearing about that one anyway. Let's move on to the third one. Third example that Jesus gives us here in verse 22. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Okay, so this is what you might call a divided heart. And oh, by the way, Jesus uses four examples in this parable, and every single one of us fits in one of these categories, just so you know. So this is what you might call a divided heart. This is the person who hears the word, they believe it, they're committed to it, they want to follow it. But other things come up in their life, and it just chokes it out. All right, Not my words, Jesus' words. Right? And, and, and Jesus says specifically, here are a couple of things that are going to choke this out. It's going to choke out this growth and choke out this seed. And he specifically says, worries and cares of this life are one thing that will choke it out. And another thing that would choke it out is the deceitfulness of wealth. All right? So here's what this might look like. Okay? You're genuinely interested in, in what I'm saying here today. But when you got here, I mean, when you get out of here and you get home, what are you going home to? Well, some of you have got to start focusing on, you know, the work week that begins tomorrow, you know, because you've got bills to pay, you've got mortgages, you've got car payments, you've got to work, you've got to, you know, make money and all this. So what is going to happen? What, what, what's What's going to happen with what has been planted in you here today? Well, it's going to take the back seat to all those things, right? Because, I mean, we have to make money. We have to go to work. We have to pay our bills and, and all those things. So God's what, what Jesus is saying here is you know, uh, that the seed takes the back seat to all these other things. Or, or maybe you like being in church and you like hearing the Word of God. But your kid is on a traveling team. Or maybe in dance or whatever. And you just don't get to come to church that much because, you know, you're committed to family and and that's a good thing and and all that. Or maybe maybe you've got a lake house. Or maybe you've got a camper. And you just love spending your weekends there because God wants us to enjoy nature, right? I mean, yes, that's why I have a boat. God wants us to enjoy nature. I mean, he does. And so you go there. Instead of devoting yourself to the gathering of the people, like God's Word says we are to do. And so, you, you, you know, uh, you go and do these things instead of devoting yourself to the gathering of the church and being under the Word of God and having the seed planted in your hearts. I, some of the students that are here today, some of you are listening to this and you're like, you, you know, I, hey Steve, I, I get you, I, I totally agree that this is important. I agree that that uh, you know this this is important stuff, but you know, when you walk out of here, you gotta check your phone. Some of you actually aren't waiting until you get out. Uh, so I've seen some of you checking it this morning and playing Tetris and on Snap Snap Snapchat? Snapchat. I don't even know. But I, it's the dumbest thing because my wife my wife, my wife, the Holy Spirit has Snap, Snap, Snapchat, she has it. And she took a picture of me one time and she turned around and showed it to me and I had like dog ears and stuff. And I'm like, you're a grown human being. Why, well, what is it? You know, but some of you are Snapchatting this morning or whatever, I can say it right, Snapchatting, you know. But, but what happened? it's just distractions, right? Our world is so filled with distractions. I got three pages of apps on my phone. Right, we're so easily uh, distracted, and I'm not saying these things are bad. All right, some of you are hearing, "Well, he's on the baseball players, he's on the lake people," you know. I'm, I'm not saying any of that is bad or evil. All right, if that's what you're hearing, that's God speaking that into your life. All right, that ain't what I'm saying. That's God. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying those things aren't bad and they're not evil, you know. But I am saying that. Jesus said the cares and the worries of this world will choke out the Word of God. He said it. And oh, by the way, before he said it, he said, Listen, these things will choke out my things. Right? Some of you aren't being obedient to God and taking your next step in your journey with Him because the cares and the worries of this world have choked it out. And and, and it's, it's often never... It's never really, we never make a conscious decision for that to happen. I mean, we never on purpose say, I'm going to reject God. You know, we would never do that. But it's just that God's word sometimes gets crowded out by other things in our life. And we don't do it intentionally. But it just happens. And distraction will send more people to hell than doubt. And Jesus is saying, listen, because this is some of the Soil that the seed is being scattered on. Last example we see in verse 23. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. This is what you might call the open heart. Right, the fertile heart receiving the seed. And the thing that I want to focus on here is how fruitful the seed is in an open heart. All right? Scholars say that a typical seed, they would have had the understanding and the knowledge that a seed would produce uh, like eight times. All right? It would yield eight times. I don't even know what I'm talking about, but scholars do. All right, a seed would produce eight times more than than the the seed. So when Jesus is talking about, here's here's what I want to focus on. When Jesus talks about 30 and 60 and 100 times the yield of the seed that is sown, this would have been mind-blowing to them, right? Because they knew that a seed typically would only grow, produce eight. Right? And Jesus is saying now 30, 60, 100, this would have been miraculous. This would have been something that, that never happened, could never have happened. Don't miss this. When the word of God really takes root in an open and fertile heart, it produces miraculous fruit. It just will. All right, And that's what Jesus is saying here. And you know what? That shows up in how you treat people. That shows up in how generous you are. That shows up in how willing, how quickly you are to uh, extend forgiveness to someone. That shows up in your excitement for worship. That shows up in your excitement for wanting to tell other people about Jesus and bring them to this place where this crazy guy is throwing seeds all over the place. Right? It's miraculous, which means this. It will be noticed because miracles are noticed. They're not overlooked. Right? Listen, God's Word is powerful uh, we, we talked about this on Wednesday night uh, uh, in our Bible study. We're studying uh, the book of Romans on Wednesday nights, and, and we talked about this. But his word is so powerful. Think about it. It was the word of God that spoke everything into existence. Just his words. Just the words that he spoke has that kind of power. In, in one of the parables after this one, uh, uh, Jesus goes on to compare the word to a small seed that produces a mighty tree, right? Some of you may have seen this picture before. I, I, I don't know, but I want you to think about it this morning. That tree originated from a very small seed that could easily be crushed under someone's foot, right? Matter of fact, the seed that this tree grew from probably was not even sown by anyone. The wind probably just blew it into that particular place and it found an open and fertile place to grow. And now look at it. Look at it. Look at the power that it has. Look at the strength that it has in its roots and how strong they are and and how much power they have available to them. A, A seed that once would have been easily missed, now has grown into something of great power and of great strength. Listen, listen, because I believe this is what Jesus is saying here. If his word has taken root in you, people will recognize it. If his word, if the seed has taken root in your heart, people will notice. They will know. We, we talked uh, about this Wednesday night, but, you know, reading and, and studying about just the power of the Word of God gets me excited about wanting to share it with other people, right? I, I mean, it just does, because I love watching the seed grow. I, I have a perspective. I've been so blessed. 21 years, been here, started out working with youth. I've had the opportunity to see kids from this age right here, get the seed planted in their heart, and now they're bringing their kids, getting the seeds planted in their kids' heart. I, I, I've got to see the fruit. I, I've got to see it come full circle, right? And, and so I, I'm blessed. And so that excites me about s- spreading the seed. You know, I'm going to throw as much of it out there as I possibly can because I see the power of the seed grow into something that is strong enough to break the power of addiction. I've seen the seed grow into something that is powerful enough to overcome the power of pride. I've seen that seed grow into something strong enough to overcome the power of selfishness in someone's lives. It just makes me want to plant more seeds. Because I've seen the seeds grow. I've seen the fruit. I've seen the power of what can happen when a seed is is grown in an open and a fertile heart. And this is just another example of the power of God and God's Word when it is received by an open heart. And Jesus says, whoever has ears, let them hear. Listen. Whoever has ears listen. So I'm just going to ask you today because some of you know I'm just point blank which of the souls are you? Which one of the four souls that Jesus covered in this are you? Are you the kind that lets the cares and the worries of the world come along choke it out? Listen, the seed In this parable, what what is it specifically? What what is that seed that Jesus is talking about? Well, yes, it's, it's the Word of God, but don't miss this. All throughout the Gospels, Jesus is referred to as the seed that was planted. Sown in the ground through His death for you. That's the seed. So how in this world could we ever... Study the parable of the seed and take it lightly. And this message, the gospel of Jesus, it demands a response. It just does. And and not to decide is to decide. And so I'm going to ask you this morning are you ready to respond? Because it demands a response. And I want to ask you all to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. We don't do this a lot, but I felt strongly led this week. I believe there are at least three invitations in this parable. But I want to simplify it a little bit for you this morning. The first invitation here, I believe, is for the one that's ready to receive the seed of Jesus into their heart. Maybe you've never received Jesus or gotten serious with walking with Him, and and it's time. Maybe you had an experience. Maybe you had an emotion, but you know you've never really been in relationship with Him, and and it's time. And, and I'm not talking uh, about you, you know, having some other kind of experience or feeling convicted this morning. I'm talking about a real life change, a real life change. If that's you, I want to invite you to come to this altar this morning and receive Jesus. It requires a response. And so if that's you this morning, I want to invite you to come and to receive Jesus. Right now, you need to respond and say, I'm ready to receive Jesus, and I'm ready for Him to change my life. If that's you, come. Because I believe it's someone that's here today. The seeds have been sown. The question is, are you receiving it with an open heart? If that's you today, this is your invitation to come. I promise you someone will come and pray along beside you and answer any questions that you may have. The message requires a response. I believe there's a second invitation in this parable today, though, as well. And it may be to an individual here. It may be to a couple. It may be to an entire family. And you realize today that you've not been good soul. And that, yes, you have let the cares and the worries and the distractions of this world and the deceitfulness of riches maybe to crowd out God's word in your life or maybe even in your family. And you haven't necessarily rejected God's word, but you have neglected it. And you want to change that. I challenge you today to take an incredibly bold humble step of drawing a line in the sand today and saying today it changes today that changes and you don't have to walk forward today to make that decision but I believe that it will help you nail it down for you to come and pray a prayer of commitment today and I want to encourage you to come maybe even grab the hand of your spouse and come do that together as husband and wife and for some of you this will go down in your family as a profound moment where your whole family changed? What are you going to do with the seed that has been sown in the soul of your heart today? And not to decide is to decide. Anyone else before we pray and dismiss? today I wish I had your eyes and I could see everything that you're doing some have come and responded physically by coming to an altar it's what they needed to do in order to nail down whatever it was in their life that you're speaking into their heart today but God there's not a one of us in this room that you haven't said something to (laughs) and it requires a response so my prayer today is that we won't hear it now and get distracted in a little while and forget all about it. But God, that it would be something that would begin to grow in us. Begin to take shape into what it is that you want to grow into our lives and into our families. God, if there's somebody here today, that, that hard heart, that that's just the one that really... Uh, the one we really kind of struggle with because so many times the seed is cast the seed is sown and Satan comes along just as quickly as it's sown and picks it up and carries it off like a bird I pray today that this seed this message that you would find open and available hearts And then you would do what only you can do. It requires a response from us. It requires us to give you control and to surrender our lives to you, surrender our families to you, surrendering our situations to you. So today, I just want to thank you for what you're doing right now. But most of all, I want to thank you for the lives that you're changing because they've been receptive to the seed that's been planted today and I cannot wait to see the power of that seed growing and what it's going to do in the days ahead I love you thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to be a seed planter I pray that I would never take it lightly I pray that our church would continue to grow and be a beautiful picture of who you are and what you want to do in the hearts and lives of everyone in this world that you created. Thank you for that opportunity. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.